Today's guest on Fashion for All, the Smart Glamour podcast, is Nicole Orabona. Nicole falls under the model category of types of guests we'll be chatting with on the podcast. I'll let her introduce herself properly. We chat about being a working actor, various types of modeling work, and how Nicole would like to see the acting, fashion, and modeling industries change. Enjoy our conversation. Hi there. Hello. Thank you so much for being here. Happy to be here. <laughs> Could you please introduce yourself? Yes. Uh, my name is Nicole Arabona. Um, You told me I could literally say anything I wanted about myself, and now I'm like, every I'm like the first day of school in class. Like, oh, I've never had a single interesting thing happen to me in my whole life. Um. Well, what do you do? Uh, I am an actor and uh, model, I guess I would add for the purposes of this conversation. Um, And as a uh, muggle job, I also work in social media and content management. Oh, okay, cool. I actually didn't even really know that about you. Um. I don't like to tell people for some reason. I'm like, oh, that's my, my boring job. I got you. I understand. Um, being married to an actor, I get it. So, <laughs> um, the one of the first questions I always go into with these the the people who fall under the model category chat is, do you call yourself a model? Why or why not? And um, the answers to this question are varied and interesting. And so you said, I guess I'm a model in the context of this conversation. <laughs> So outside of this conversation, do you ever call yourself a model and why or why not? Yeah, it's funny because when you told me you were going to ask me that question, I started thinking about it. Um, Hey, I did my homework. Uh, (laughs) Like, I I guess I I used to never classify myself as a model, um, I think, because like, I, the negative associations of modeling in the fashion industry and um, expectations and demands on women's bodies and, and what models looked like. Um, and so even though I had like technically been paid to model, um, mm-hmm. I never wanted to consider myself a model because I was like, oh, I don't want to be part of that. Um, and also, I think there was a part of me that was like self-conscious and like, oh, I couldn't be part of that. You know, mm-hmm. um, but uh, something that I since modeling with you, Mallory, for Smart Glamour, and and I remember you've asked people ask you the question like, "Are those real models?" And you're like, "Yes, yeah. they're real models. Like they are modeling my clothes. <laughs> I pay them to be here modeling my clothes." Uh huh. And I was like, "Wow, yeah, that's so right. Like people have paid me to model." <laughs> that makes me a model and, and modeling itself doesn't have to be associated. Does it hope doesn't have to be associated with all the like negative aspects of the industry. It just so commonly is. Um, yeah. So yes, yeah. I am a model. You, <laughs> you brought up so many good points there. Um, yeah. That, that comment of like, Oh, like are these real models? Um, you know, many times I've even had people message me and say that like, my imagery is weird looking um which <laughs> it's so funny because i mean it, it just it just looks like you know accurate people um wearing clothes and looking happy and i don't know there's like there's a lot of things about it that's different um and obviously that's all intentional but like 
I think I think it's the combination of all of those things that makes it maybe seem weird uh, because, you know, typically if you're shopping on like an e-commerce website, I mean, sometimes the models don't even have heads. So like right. <laughs> to see them and like, you know, some have glasses, some are wearing flats, you know, they, some yeah. are smiling or laughing, um, you know, I guess technically that is quote unquote weird. Uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, I think it's it's just uncommon. And so when people don't know how to classify something they don't see often, they're like, oh, it's weird. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the other thing that you mentioned about like, oh, I don't want to be a part of that because it's it's associated with like so many negative connotations and the industry can be associated with so many negative connotations. I get that too because um, so like prior to Smart Glamour, I personally modeled um, and modeled in the like mainstream sense of the word, um, not for companies, anything like Smart Glamour at all. Um, and it was always kind of like a weird uh, inner struggle with that, you know, because I personally don't like being defined by my appearance um and yet (laughs) that that was like being that was like my job to be defined by my appearance and um it made me feel uncomfortable like being at a shoot if the space was fun and the photographer was nice and the makeup artist was nice like that's like a fun controlled environment but then like when it gets released out into the world or maybe you're at a runway show and the event is weird and the guests are weird, like, um, and, and and now I'm saying weird, but I mean like um, uh, (laughs) uncomfortable and inappropriate and exploitative. um, Then I'm like, Oh, why am I doing this? But then at the end of the day, it's like, if you're getting paid for it, it's like, you know, paycheck's a paycheck. (laughs) I'm in my early mid twenties. Like I need to make some money if you want to, pay me to like walk down this runway in a bathing suit like I guess I'm gonna do it but (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's hard to um find a balance of it you know like later in life I tried to do fit modeling again and I actually like after one um job I stopped doing it because it made me so uncomfortable like I had like grown into a different kind of person and was like you know what this is a not for me anymore totally (laughs) Um, so, but, uh, aside from being a model or, or me suggesting that you are one, um, you're mainly an actor, which mm-hmm. I know that about you. Um, was that what you always wanted to do? Like how, how, what was your journey to becoming an actor? Yeah, I was always, um, one of those very dramatic children. Uh, <laughs> when I was three, I was like, I want to be a movie star. Like I just was always performing. I started dancing at age three um, and was, you know, just always a very uh, ham bone child. So uh, I I did always want to be a performer. I think uh, there was like a brief moment in my early elementary school years where I, when I was very into dance and thought I might be a dancer, but um, I'm actually too clumsy to, be a professional dancer call myself a mover these days um, uh-huh. and uh yeah like I just always knew I wanted to be an actor like I went to college I went to undergrad for acting um I've been acting since fourth grade was my first play and um I've been acting professionally since I was uh, 18 so yeah it's it's uh, always been my my thing. Um, 
And as you, as I was asking that question, I realized that I, I skipped one that um, is probably because it's a video and I'm looking at you. But for folks who are not watching the video version of this, could you describe your appearance? Oh, yes. Uh, I am a mid or early to mid 30s light skinned Puerto Rican woman uh, with very short cropped hair, like an outgrown buzz. I'm currently wearing a very dark blue cable knit sweater, red lipstick, and red nail polish. Um, and for the purpose of smart layer conversations, you would be a, considered a straight size model, just yes. in case we oh, yes. talk about anything right. that has anything to do with that. Yeah. Um, so back to the acting stuff. So, I, you know, this is a little bit of a leading question because I follow you and I know what kind of what kind of stuff you do, but. Um, you know, I've had a few different conversations with folks that model who are also, I mean, who model for me, but are also actors and um, kind of like how they choose to exist within the realm of like mainstream acting jobs versus like working for like smaller um, either theater companies or doing like community work um like how do, how did you find that path for you as an actor or are you kind of like wavering in between or, or what's that process yeah I think when I was younger um it was always just like say yes to all the work all the time um and like I think that's you know unfortunately part of the entertainment industry is that like you're told you're not allowed to have boundaries <laughs> mm. if you want to make it and like you have to just like go in there and throw yourself at everything and always say yes, never say no, um, do whatever you can, meet as many people as possible. So uh, mm-hmm. I moved to New York after I graduated college to do theater. Um, and I was from, I'm from Idaho originally. So I didn't know anyone in New York. <laughs> I knew like, I had like two acquaintances, like they would let me crash on their couch when I, for a few days, but not like uh, close friends. Um, so, and and like, I moved here and I didn't know what the heck I was getting. Like, I knew nothing about the theater industry in New York. Um, and I just had to like, come and learn to get like a crash landing course. Um, sorry, I'm going off like on a tangent, but it's going to come back around. It's okay. Okay. (laughs) And then, um, so then, and then I worked in a bar for many, for like almost five years. Um, cause like Mm -hmm. being an actor in the city is like, you know, you're not just going to go get, it's very rare that you move to New York and then you just suddenly start working as an actor. Um, if, if you are, then like, there's a lot of, a lot of things you had in your favor for that to, to happen. Um, Uh so, so I got like caught up in the bar scene, working at a bar in Midtown for five years and like partying all the time. Um, but I also like met some really great friends there. Uh, and we started our own, um, sketch comedy group that would perform in the bar um, once a month. And we, it was really silly, but we always had a really great turnout. Um, and so for a while, that was like my only real creative outlet. And then like one mm. day it hit me after I'd been working in this bar for almost five years and making great money and having a great time. that I was like, what am I, what am I doing? Like, I just woke up and I was like, what am I doing here? Like somebody asked me for a vodka soda with a lemon. And in my head, I was like, do you think I don't know that your vodka soda comes with a lemon? Like, what do you think I'm going to do? And I was like, <laughs> oh, like, I can't do my job. And I was like, oh, God, I'm not good at this anymore. Like, I forgot what I'm doing here. Um, so then I went and refocused my energy on theater. And 
uh, even after, like, even by then, like, I wasn't even that young anymore. I mean, I was not that young. By, like, I wasn't post-grad immediately right, right, post-grad right. anymore. I wasn't, like, fresh to the city. I had had a little bit of uh, feet on the ground first, which I think helped because then I was able to, like, just start auditioning a lot more. Um, and it's kind of one of those, like, the more you work, the more you work. Uh, the more I auditioned. Mm-hmm. And the more people I met, the more that they would be likely to like contact me again to work with them or pass my name on to someone else. Um, And so for me, it's really only like while I have had like, you know, a a play here and there, um, a small gig here and there uh, for since college, um, it wasn't until like I really decided to like, what is what am I actually like, what do I want to do with my life? And I had mm-hmm. to like make a conscious decision to like quit the bar and try and find new work mm. that could support me. And it was like terrifying. Um, and I did a bunch of like free theater. Um, this was your question originally. How do I find the balance? God. <laughs> no, this is a keep. It's fine. Don't feel bad about uh, telling your story. Um, so I did a lot of work and I was saying yes to everything and it was delightful. And I met like, some of my all-time favorite collaborators. Um, now I'm really lucky to be booked all the time because, like, I have been able to meet so many people. Um, and now I do like have to strike a balance and be like, okay, again, it's always reevaluating like what is actually important to me. Um, mm-hmm. It's important to me, in addition to my career, to have like space for myself and my mental health and time with mm-hmm. my partner, um, mm-hmm. time to unwind. So. I try and be more like the, I have like criteria for who I work with either like um, it has to fit like two, three, three out of the four. Let me, let me name them off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like either uh, I have to love the, the project. Like it has to be like, Oh my God, this script or whatever. Like I love this role. I will do it no matter what mm-hmm. um, I have to, or I have to love the people like, Oh, these people get me like working with them satisfies my soul creatively um or it has to like pay well like the first two if if I don't really care for the people and I don't really care for the script but they're paying me incredibly well then like that outweighs it because mama gotta make that coin right um or <laughs> right will it um will it bolster my career and several years ago the question, the answer to will it bolster my career was yes, more often. And now that I'm more established and like have built a reputation for myself and have a, a bigger network, um, I don't have to say yes to as many, uh, op- like, I don't want to say small opportunities, but um, opportunities that don't like, uh, I don't have to say yes to as many of the things. Like I can choose of those four things. Like you better hit at least two. Right, 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 right what I'm saying mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah um and do you have an agent for this work or is it you're, you're finding it yourself and like networking um I just got an agent literally like right before COVID hit <laughs> wow um and that's for commercial and tv work I don't have a uh-huh. theater, I don't have a theatrical agent um so all my work that I've been getting has all been through self booking, uh, self bookings, or just straight up like um, recommendation. I also find like mm-hmm. I love getting my friends' work. Like one of my all time favorite mm-hmm. things in life is to get somebody that I care for, care about a job, 
Um, and I don't do that. Like there's a golden perk of that is that like in turn, people always think of me, but like that's not the reason I do it. I just love getting people jobs. But when you give, you get. <laughs> so right. it's like very reciprocal. Uh-huh. Um, and have you, I mean, obviously now, you got an agent for TV and commercial and and, and then then the pandemic happened. But um, have you been doing like, you know, at home self tapes for commercial and TV? Oh, yeah, I have. Um, my new agents are fantastic and have been sending me I do between one and three self tapes a week. Um, unfortunately, mm-hmm. I'm quarantining in Western Massachusetts, my partner has uh, some severe health issues and we normally in New York, we live on a sailboat. And so we have shared bathroom facilities. And it's just like so too much of a risk to have shared bathrooms with like hundreds uh-huh. of other people. Um, so we're in Master yeah. Mass until it's until we're vaccinated. Um, so I haven't been booking, which I'm like, why am I not booking? But also like, uh, they don't want, like, I'm glad they're not bringing people in from out of state. Like they're, they're being very COVID cautious and like only booking people right. really that are like in state. Um, or at least that's what I'm telling myself. And, <laughs> um, and I feel like there would also be like, a very weird wait. I'd have to uh, figure out of like, oh, I booked this job. Do I actually take a job in real life right now? Like that would have to be actually very good money for me to take a real life mm-hmm. in-person job um, because of the risks mm-hmm. associated. Like it would have to be paying me well enough that I could quarantine in a hotel before coming back home and like travel to New York safely. There's all sorts of new things to consider. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, my husband's done one in-person job during the pandemic, but also like I'm not an at-risk person. So that's a, definitely a, a different situation. And I mean, luckily, and it was like a, you know, for a big budget TV show. So when you're a big budget TV show, you have the the budget to be like the most COVID safe you possibly can, you know, and like be testing people like three times a week and Mm-hmm. everyone in their own bubbles and you know they you know you can take every extra mile yeah. um which is not always the case, the case. exactly <laughs> i have a friend who does who's like a covid safety officer on sets mm. um which i actually really appreciate having that insight into the industry and being like okay people they are taking this seriously as like mm-hmm. as a whole for the most part <laughs> mhm mhm yeah that's always nice to see considering like so much of this country is not. <laughs> I know. I don't even know if I want to go down that. Road. I don't. I know it's too. We don't have time for that. It's going to be an anger an anger podcast if we do that. Uh, <laughs> um. So one thing I do want to ask. I feel like jumping off um prior conversations I've had with SG models who also act is like um. I feel like a lot of them have a bit of a struggle between like finding work that like makes them feel good and makes them feel validated. And I'm wondering if, drop my phone. I'm wondering if you have that issue or maybe you have that issue less because you do more theater based work. And I, for some reason in my mind, I tend to think of like small theater work as like a little bit more, um, I don't know, uh, inclusive and, and, uh, open-minded and um, you know 
self-aware than like when you're doing trying to do like tv commercial movie work yeah totally all those things that you said are have like a little basis of truth for me um Mm I like yeah there's always a struggle especially when you're start when you're like not super well established and or like a, a big star and like how do you choose and get good fun material in the indie theater scene like it's it's nice that I work on mostly new plays I work I work very rarely with uh cis hetero white men which is great <laughs> uh, <laughs> Like I do often work in a slightly more diverse uh, sphere. It's not perfect though. Like there's always lots, like there's always challenges. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of people getting, you get taken advantage of a lot in smaller indie theater settings. Like there are Mm. people out there that are willing and ready to exploit you. um, If you're, if you're young and desperate and hungry for work. Um. Also, like, I love working on new works, but there sometimes um, scripts just need, like, a couple more developmental sessions. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> so I've, I've done a lot of bad theater, too. Like, not every theater job is uh, – I'm not going to, like, call anyone out by any means, but not every uh-huh, theater uh-huh. job is life-changing. Um, right. Uh, what I do love about <laughs> – and and sometimes and then yeah like I do do some commercial work um because it pays the bills like it's sad when you can make more on one day on set for a commercial than you will in like a whole week for a theater contract (laughs) um right right. so yes that stuff is like okay that's just that's just a job just gonna show up and do my job um and I feel like that's kind of how I started uh getting into modeling was because I was like you know a lot of that like doing uh, there's a lot of uh, crossover, like I use casting networks um, uh-huh. to find work. And there's a lot of times it's like basically you're modeling because you're doing commercial, but it's like there's no te- there's no dialogue or it's for a print ad or something like um, or it's like an online, like a digital media spot. And it's just like they want your expressions. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's also like. That's where I feel like it can be more, it can get uncomfortable. Like you were mentioning, like, oh, is this a good set, a bad set? Like, what's yeah. the expectation here? Um, and what I love about modeling for Smart Glamour is that, like, it is for me really fulfilling. Like, it 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 feels good to to represent your product. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um. Now that you're just bringing up these these extra modeling jobs, I'm thinking about that um, that art exhibit. Now I'm forgetting the name of it, where you were like doing like uh like body part modeling. Oh yeah, that what was, was that so called? weird. It was called a human. Right, that's right, one right. of my weirder jobs. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I do a lot of work in immersive and interactive theater, so I've uh-huh. gotten into this niche where I do um like pop up activations where. Like, you know, mm-hmm. brands want to seem hip and cool and they have an immersive exhibit. Yeah. Uh, and like, that pays, that's one of those things where like, it pays great money. Like, they pay so well. They treat you well. It's a dumb job, but it's fun. Like, and, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so that one was, it was this like, uh, um, they had created, it was supposed to be this like futuristic 
exhibit where they did uh, like body modification to the extreme was the new form of fashion. So I had this cool, I like every night I would like walk up these steps behind us behind a a flat um, and stick my leg in a hole. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. A hole in the wall. And I had this prosthetic on my foot that looked like my, um, oh gosh, I don't, it looked like my heel had grown out to it, like a like the heel of a high a high heel, um, right? Like my right. Extended and it had scales on it. Um, so I sat in like a prosthetic chair for a couple hours, for like an hour or two every day, uh, and we had like shifts. Mm-hmm. There was like a couple people for each role, um, and then I would like climb into this, put my leg in a hole, and I'd had to sit there with my leg like on my tiptoes, just like perfect, like right almost perfectly still. So it was like, uh, you know, Uncanny Valley when people walking through the exhibit don't, because there was both real human models and uh, all prosthetic yes. models. So the one of the things was you didn't know if it was alive or not. So every now and then I would just like, I would right. go outside and I'd like wiggle my toe <laughs> and they'd be like, ah, it moves. So I just <laughs> in your ear. Oh my God. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I was just going to ask if you could hear people because um, like my, my husband and I went to it and I remember walking around and like that being the experience of like, because the way when you see it as a viewer is like you're walking basically kind of down like a hallway and then there's a wall with little windows and like in a window is like someone's foot. <laughs> yeah, that was my right. foot. So um, where right, I was, right. like, I was propped up on this like platform in the air and they were really great to me. They got all these like pillows. So I had built this little pillow throne uh, okay. um, and like I had like support under my knee and stuff. Um, okay. And if I pressed my ear against the wall because it was just plywood. Um, uh-huh. I, I could usually like hear people, um, mm. and you could always hear like you could just overhear people's conversations. I couldn't ever really hear what that much of what they were saying, and I was like, really like put a glass up there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> They'd probably have to be talking pretty loud, which would be weird because you're like in an exhibit. Like no one talks that yeah, loud. When yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, I did want somebody airdropped me a picture of my own foot. They didn't know it was to me, but they were just like airdrop. You know how weirdos like airdrop yeah. whoever's around? Ugh, yeah. That was before that's I- that's a thing. Yeah. I, I turned that function off shortly after that because I was like, that's very bizarre. <laughs> Stranger. Yeah. That happened to me once in the subway. And I was like, I'm sure oh, it wasn't no. your own. Yeah. That, ooh, I've had heard horror stories. Mm-mm, mm-mm. it's like this is nope nope don't want this feature don't men don't need this extra fun feature for their lives <laughs> what a way to send more unsolicited things to women great awesome. um, and- <laughs> um so when it comes i'm trying to like uh let's circle this back and try to tie some of it into um fashion a little bit so uh, prior to, I mean, there probably isn't really a prior to like being an actor or being a performer or being on stage, but prior to like realizing you could tie that into modeling as a way to make money and like kind of like an add on to your, your forms of performance, what was your relationship to fashion and or body image? Like if, if at all? Yeah. Um, I've always loved fashion, um, like I always 
liked clothes <laughs> as a little mm-hmm. girl um, mm-hmm. and dressing up. And I think like being in dance and being a performer made me enjoy like dressing up and um, putting together outfits was always like a creative pastime of mine. When mm-hmm. I was in high school and early college, I was like very much a fast fashion shopper. Um, mm-hmm. Like the minute I had a, any money to spend from allowance, like I was hitting up Banana Republic um, and, you know, all those mall stores, the clearance rack, of course, mm-hmm. but, um, mm-hmm. but always and like I would and, you know, my my best friend and I would like pour over Vogue and try and keep up with the trends. Um, I wore heels all the time for some reason. Um, <laughs> this was in like the early to mid 2000s so it was not a great time for fashion Uh actually (laughs) I just but I (laughs) I thought I had good fashion um and then uh uh, as I got into like my senior year of college um it was really broke because that was you know the just after like uh recession start times um recession uh uh my friend and I who had also like gone on this fashion journey together as we grew up um discovered thrifting like we went to a thrift store one day and I Mm -hmm. found like all these beautiful vintage um clothes that were exactly my size uh and like I thrifted as a high schooler like you know we went I went to savers to like buy fun costume pieces or silly things but never like Mm -hmm. considered shopping secondhand for my um my like everyday fashion uh, but I found all these beautiful vintage mm-hmm. pieces that fit me perfectly. And I like had this realization of like, oh my God, there's all these treasures here. Um, and then when I graduated and I graduated in the winter and I was bored. So I watched a lot of documentaries <laughs> and um, started becoming <laughs> just like a much more, trying to become a much more like ethical consumer um, mm-hmm. and like realizing, like started learning about the fast fashion industry um, and a lot of the industries in the United States, uh, the, the meat industry and like really just be educating myself mm-hmm. and becoming aware of, um, ways that I could make an impact in some sort of tiny way and, in, in to the environment, to myself, to, who have, to everyone. Um, so I like mm-hmm. became vegetarian and really started focusing more on on thrift store shopping. Um, and I've been like an avid thrifter. I used uh, some friends and I used to have a blog where we would, um, take photos of ourselves in our thrifted fashion and blog about it. Um, I love that it like gives you a really unique style and the ability to like, Mm -hmm. really like play with your aesthetic, um, without spending a lot of money or like supporting, uh, factories and (laughs) yeah um so and now um I still do most of my shopping secondhand um Mm -hmm. but I'm also like part of the the perk like since I don't can't go to thrift stores anymore part of the like silver lining of um being on lockdown is like I have the time and resources and energy to do more research like oh if I'm not gonna sec by the second hand like who makes this in a way that like I feel good paying for mm-hmm. it like are the workers being mm-hmm. paid a living wage like is it being sourced sustainably um so 
yeah, there, there's definitely been an mm-hmm. evolution, and I I feel very strongly about like buying ethically when I am shopping for the things, mm-hmm. the garments that I wear. Yeah, it's so interesting. You know, um, I think sometimes we forget, like once we get to <laughs> a portion of our life where we're having these like deeper thoughts about the way that we consume things, I think it's important to remember and also even just to talk about it for the sake of other people who maybe are just becoming aware of these things that like, you know, we all also grew up in the same society and mm-hmm. like we were also unaware at some point you know like yes. um the way that i personally became aware of um the harms of fast fashion was working in the fashion industry you know like up until i got a corporate job I, my favorite place to shop was server 21 which like if anyone hears anything i ever talk about on the internet is probably a surprising sentence but like you know i also was a human being who like was an 18 year old to 22 year old um in that like time when i mean i remember when forever 21 opened in new york city so like that's like <laughs> when i was like woo look at this yeah, i can go and like buy four for- dresses for 70 dollars mm-hmm. look at this deal um and didn't think anything of it. Like didn't, you know, just truly yeah. didn't think about it. And then working in a corporate fashion environment where we were making clothes that were going to be sold at places even cheaper than Forever 21, knowing that we were buying things from Forever 21 to copy it. And then knowing how our clothes are made, I was like, whoa, this is a nightmare that I was not aware of. <laughs> yeah. And even all your stories about working in the industry from the inside are always so fascinating to me. Like no matter how much you read and you're Mm -hmm. not going to get that like insider's perspective, the way you are so open about it. Yeah. Because I mean, uh, I think, man, fashion is such a, it's a complicated uh, uh, topic for me because it, it was something that I was always interested in, but without, realizing it I wasn't actually interested in in the fashion industry like I was interested in fun clothes and how they made me feel and how I could make other people feel and you know even once I got to FIT there was a lot of like oh who's your favorite designer like oh what's your favorite magazine and I was like I don't know none like I (laughs) I don't really pay attention um you know uh that was just not how I thought about fashion and so to then be like, well, I guess I'm going to get a corporate fashion job because I guess that's what this is. That I was like so disappointed that that's what it was. Like that's not, that wasn't my plan. That wasn't my interest. And then I found out how even worse it was than I even thought it was. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, what do I do? Um, I think but, uh, um, but what I was just going to end and my thought with, with was, um, you know, I think it's important to, to say to, and to stress that like, you know, you're not born with all the information you're going to have. And like, we don't have all the information we're going to have right now. You know, you're going to keep, keep learning and growing. And like, if you bought fast fashion for uh, up until yesterday, and now today, you're like, you know what, I think I'm going to make moves to, to try to do things differently. That's okay. You know, like, you know, no one is, no one's a perfect consumer. (laughs) Yes. I mean, there's no ethical consumption under capitalism. So (laughs) uh, yeah, I, I think it's so important to recognize it. Like even just making small, like individuals are not responsible for like keeping the planet alive. Uh, no. 
corporations are responsible for destroying our planet, but every little bit helps. Like I became vegetarian. I started for months as a weekday vegetarian. Like Mm. I would only eat meat on the weekends and uh, to just like, I was like, I'm going to cut down my carbon footprint a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. And then like eventually realized I didn't want to eat meat at all. Um, And I think like Mm -hmm. I still, even in my early days of thrifting still would hit up the mall now and again um or mm-hmm, be like mm-hmm. oh shit i just like i need this one piece uh right. for a job interview or for whatever i have to i'm just going to go to h&m and grab something um right. like i i it's not that i've never again shopped at h&m right 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 like sometimes yeah. you just have to do what you have to do but right. like if you right make conscious effort um, yeah yeah i, I mean no uh, oh, no one's perfect no <laughs> Something that you also made me think of when you were talking about like having a like for a love for fashion, but not like being into fashion. I think there's like such a mm-hmm. difference between fashion and style too. Mm-hmm. And like, I mm-hmm. realized that what I didn't love was fashion was I liked having my personal style and, and using style as a way to express myself creatively and like right. make finding pieces that made that again, like you said, made me feel confident and fun and feel good in my body. like. I think that's the more important. <laughs> right, right. And it's interesting because it's like, you know, is that fashion? Is it not? Like, I don't really know. Like, I just, sometimes when I talk about it online, I'll, I'll, I'll like, if I'm talking about fashion style, like the things I enjoy, I'll use like lower cases. And then when I'm saying like capital F fashion, that's what I mean. Like, you know, like the, the industry of fashion. Yeah. Um, but it's like, very similar to you when I, when I was in high school, I wore a lot of thrifted and vintage things and I wasn't even thinking about it again in like a, a sustainable way. I was just like, these things that I personally like and want are not what's being manufactured for the masses. So how am I going to find them? And that meant, you know, buying a little cute crop sweater off of eBay instead of going to a store because I didn't want to wear what was in the store. And like, I think for a lot of people, I mean, obviously, because trends exist, uh, folks are participating in fashion for some kind of like aspirational idea of like, I want to fit in or I want to be quote unquote cool um, in a way that means like I'm doing the thing that everyone else has deemed as cool. <laughs> and like somehow that is what fashion is like ca- capital F fashion. Um and that's just never been what it is for me. So like mm-hmm. then becoming a fashion industry professional, it's like, well, that's not the kind of fashion industry professional I want to be. Like I'm not, you know, people still interview me and ask me for my fashion do's and don'ts. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, fashion do wear clothes if you're out in public. <laughs> fashion don't <sighs> wear, listen to what other people have to say. <laughs> Right. Yeah. That's basically what I say is I'm like, well, wear stuff that makes you feel good. Um, that's it. That's all I got. <laughs> um, so towards the end of this podcast, I like to ask folks, what are some things they'd like to see change about the industry that they're in that we've talked about? And then also the, how that may or may not tie into the fashion industry. So maybe, and obviously I'm sure there's a billion things, but maybe the, the things that resonate with you the most that are most important to you. So like maybe one thing from acting, one thing from your experience with modeling jobs, and then one thing from 
the fashion industry as a whole? Um, I, I think the thing I want to change, which actually kind of goes across the board to all three industries, is like okay. living wage. Uh, mm. I just think that in any creative industry, um, there's been so many studies that the creative people and people in creative industries are the most likely to be taken advantage of because they're mm. the people that are like, oh, you do it for your passion. Like, <laughs> bitch, does a lawyer do their job just for passion? Like, I went to school too. Um, <laughs> pay me. So, mm-hmm. and, and there's an expectation, I, uh, like in both the modeling and in the acting industry that like to pay your dues, you have to work for free. Um, and then you, and you have to, and not only do you have to put work mm-hmm. for free, you have to put up with abuse. Like I would like to see mm-hmm. people in positions of power who are like, abusive of their power which is most um people in positions of power right now currently in this society mm, unfortunately, yes. <laughs> uh to, to lose that like to lose that power <laughs> i guess like yeah uh, i i would like to um, see yeah. people not being ha- not having their labor exploited not having their bodies exploited just because you're technically mm-hmm. yes selling your body if you're modeling a garment or uh, selling your body to a theater or a commercial agency or a, a TV show. Like uh, when you, when you're an actor and a model, like your body and your image are what you, are all you own. And um, mm-hmm. you just, I mean, not all you own, but th- that's what people are hiring you for, for this, for you, for your personal right, yeah, yeah. being. Um, if you're not watching, I'm yeah. gesticulating wildly. <laughs> 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 And uh, you deserve, like, you you should be paid for that. Um, I think that also trickles into the fashion industry, too. Like, I strongly believe in ethical wages for, like, garment workers. They have some of the worst living and working conditions. And it it's just abominable. And, you know, yeah. Uh, that's a, no, that's a, that's a wonderful downfall, answer. Downfall of capitalism is what I want across <laughs> all industries. <laughs> that's such a great um, answer. And you're right. It really does um, apply to everything. And when you were just saying at the end there about garment workers, the one thing that always strikes me so interesting um, about how badly garment workers are treated is that like when I tell people that I know how to sew and I know how to pattern make, sometimes they look at me like I can do magic right? Like, if you don't know how to make clothes, sometimes the idea that somebody's making clothes can seem like a magical thing. Like, you can't even wrap your mind around it, almost, if you don't know how to do it. But meanwhile, there's people all around the world, mostly women, mostly women of color, who are also making your clothing. Are you not impressed with them? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Right? Are you only impressed with me because I'm on Instagram and I'm like, here's my serger. Like, that's how they're also making your clothes. Yeah. Like, be impressed with them. They should also be paid appropriately. <laughs> yes. I... Um, so to close out on a more, on a more positive note, uh, what is something you might say to, uh, I mean, basically the younger version of you who wants to make a living by being an actor or in a creative person of some of some sort what's like a, a, a motivational tip or yeah. thought you may pass mm-hmm. on to them? 
it's so strange to say these things because they do end up sounding like cheesy, but there's it, it's so true to just be like, not be af- not be afraid to go after what you want. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I think it's I personally, um, as someone who's who deals with mental illness, like depression and anxiety, have held myself back in the past just because, like, I was afraid of not being perfect or I was afraid of failure. Um, and mm-hmm. being able to like release those fears, which again, easier said than done. Um, yeah is is really the most important thing like just figure it like go after what you want go after what you want with the confidence of a mediocre white man because you know (laughs) that like you know he's going after some job that you're more than qualified for yep Mm mm-hmm It's so true. What, what, are there any tangible things that you did over time to like make yourself be more comfortable going after what you want? Or is it just like a practice? Um, It's, it takes practice. Like I was really lucky that I was in, um, I got accepted into this training program, um, slash ensemble for interactive theater, which is all improvised, which was terrifying to me. Um, Mm -hmm. and uh, I got a, I had a mentor basically through it. The man who ran that pro, uh, that theater company, um, we would meet regularly and I would be like, this is what I'm afraid of. And he'd be like, okay, well let's, let's work on that. And I'd be like, I'm afraid of taking risks. Mm. I'm afraid of going first. And, and he's like, okay, then you're always going first. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I was afraid to volunteer and like mm-hmm. he made it. So I always had to volunteer, like didn't always, but he's like, right. He wouldn't be like, you're not volunteering. Um, <laughs> but he would give me like, <laughs> like volunteer to go first or name the thing that scares you. And I feel like there's a lot of power in name naming things. Like there was a lot of power when I finally got diagnosed with depression. Like, oh, there's so much power in knowing what I have. And, and now I can take tangible steps to, uh, to, to, get a, to, to move past it and ask for help. I think asking mm-hmm. for help is so hard, but yeah. um, so important. Yeah, I think that's such good advice. I think that um, that's kind of, oh, to me, that almost sounds like it's also tied up in the same thing, right? Like you, you ask for help and then the the help and advice of like, say things out loud or like to another person, like what, what you think is stopping you or you feel is stopping you. Um, because if it just stays in your head, it's, it's harder to. keeps spiraling out of control yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for sure um so this was such a lovely chat i really thank you for having me Um, me. my second ever podcast but i very much enjoyed it good job um so how can people follow you and find your work on the internet uh you can follow me on instagram at knuckle underscore sando I also have a uh, period art account, um, period blood mm-hmm. art account called Art by Aunt Flo with a W. Mm-hmm. Um, and my website, NicoleRabona.com, has all of my upcoming uh, short films and projects, digital projects that I'm working on, Zoom shows, etc. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Nicole. All right. Thanks, Mel. Have a good one. Thank <phone rings> you.
hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Fashion for All. Please be sure to check our show notes for information and links to our guests and their work. Be sure to subscribe or follow us on your podcast platform of choice and leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts to help others find the show. For more Smart Glamour goodness, you can head to smartglamour.com and follow us on Facebook at backslash smartglamour and Instagram at smart underscore glamour. Thanks.